ghosts, specters, whatever you want to call them, they've been around for thousands of years. Apparently she died from a tooth infection in one of the upstairs rooms in the house. As in the locations they haunt. History of a Haunting podcast tells you all about these famous, infamous, and almost famous locations. And why they became terrifying places to visit. Grab a glass of wine and settle in with your hosts, Archie. I mean, that was definitely the wrong thing to do. And Carrie. Nobody asked for it, Carrie. Nobody fucking asked for it. But hey, my podcast, and I'll say what I fucking want. (laughs) Two people just winging it in life and this podcast. So enjoy this week's episode of History of a Haunting. Hey everybody, welcome to History of a Haunting. I'm your host, Archie. And I'm your host, Laura. And this episode, we are carry-free, so to speak. (laughs) She's uh, attending to her new home. She left the kids in charge. Can you believe it? She left us alone. Alone. (laughs) Whatever we want. (laughs) (laughs) Except that she has total editing control and we can't do too much <laughs> but besides that we're all on our own we can do whatever we want. it's Archie and Laura show now all right cheers to that right um I do know um I don't have any EVPs for sure do you have no any? I, I don't um, either when I missed last episode because I got my second shot and was like super sick for like 12 hours and I just slept I was out oh. I put yeah. Down. Oh, I got I got lucky. I only had I was I only had the sore arm, both for both shots. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't bad. It wasn't too bad. I just like I went from fine to like my fever just shot up to like 103. Once I took some, you know, ibuprofen and basically mm-hmm. slept, I was I was good. A little bit tired after that, but fine. Wow. So it wasn't too bad. But yeah, I was kind of surprised. So I think my immune system was just trying to be an overachiever. Like we can hold on, we got this. <laughs> right. <laughs> that was all good. How was your week? Um actually stressful this week. Stressful Just, week. I I have become very accustomed to having very easy time at work lately with nobody in the office. But I I was just running around all week this week. It was it was bad. I was on my feet for four hours straight yesterday, which hasn't happened in like 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> Your dog's barking. <laughs> oh man. What about you? Um, it was pretty good. Pretty normal. Um, you know, lots of work, children, all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I did seem to get adopted by a neighborhood cat that has just decided that um, she lives here now. Um, oh, I don't no. even, <laughs> she just came into my backyard. I was hanging out, you know, we had a couple of days in the seventies earlier in the week. Mm-hmm. I was just hanging out outside, enjoying the, enjoying the nice weather. And she just popped over the fence and started meowing at me. Hi, I live here now. <laughs> Basically. I mean, I think maybe she was abandoned because she's super friendly and she was very clean um, mm-hmm. and young. She looks really little. I mean, and she was clearly not eating enough. So of course I gave her mm-hmm. water. And then I gave her food, and now I'm pretty sure she's mine. And <laughs> Has Zane, she made it in the house yet? No, but Zane is all about it. 
<laughs> but she's super friendly. She like goes and sits by Zane. I'm like, oh, if she can tolerate him, that's a pretty good sign. <laughs> you know, just just because he's so active, you know, he's always like moving around right. and a lot of time cats yeah, are like, I'm out. Yeah. He's super chill. He just sits well, by hey. That could be a good sign. Listen, I'm not trying to have another pet, but I think I don't think I even have a choice anymore. She's just like, I live here now. <laughs> yeah. She doesn't leave, she just hangs out. I go outside, she wants to sit, she'll sit right by me or, you know, underneath my chair or something. It's really funny. Aww. Yeah, that's how cats are, apparently. They just decide that's where they live now. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And they're she's, right. <laughs> yeah, she's like, um, you're mine. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you get no choice. So apparently I've been owned. Uh, all right. Well, shall we get this underway? Let's do it. All right, boys and girls. Well, this week we are talking about the old Joliet prison in Joliet, Illinois, United States. And I got my history from um, jollyatprison.org and a WashingtonPost.com article written by Genevieve Bookwalter, which was a fantastic article. So... Opened in 1858, just six years after the incorporation of the city of Joliet, the Illinois State Penitentiary Joliet, now known simply as the old Joliet prison, has, for better or worse, been synonymous with the city of Joliet for nearly its entire history. The Joliet prison, with its iconic castellated Gothic architecture, was designed by Chicago architect William W. Boynton, who also designed the Chicago Water Tower. Are you familiar with those? Because I knew you grew up in the Midwest. Have you been to the Water Tower or have you seen this prison? No, not in Chicago. Mm-hmm. No, okay. They're cool. Anyway, Unfortunately. <laughs> I know about the Water Tower in Ypsilanti, Michigan. There you go. Well, hey, that's almost the same thing. That's a big phallus. Yeah. Yay. It's totally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the use of Joliet limestone was a trademark of Boynton's designs and this locally cored stone which is used to erect structures all around the country. The prison in Joliet replaced the first state penitentiary in Alton, built on a bluff overlooking the Mississippi River in 1831. The privately managed prison, as usual, quickly degraded into a state of horrendous conditions. Noted reformer Dorothea Dix, who we've spoken about several times, personally petitioned the Illinois General Assembly to construct a new penitentiary after inspection of the Alton prison in 1847. While action from the state legislature and some construction occurred in prior years, May 22nd, 1858 marks the beginning of the Joliet prison when 53 inmates arrived at a small structure, which still stands, to begin the work of constructing the larger prison around themselves. This included the quarrying of the limestone from two adjacent quarries. Upon its opening, the Chicago Tribune declared glowingly, quote, we came away fully impressed with the belief that the important trusts at Joliet are in good hands, that there is a growing state work which will be for long years to come the pride of first citizens, end quote. It's pretty of bad course, that that's the glowing recommendation of Joliet. Mm, the, the image of the Joliet prison, however, quickly changed. <laughs> and again, by 1878, the prison was filled well over capacity with nearly 2,000 inmates. In the book, Joliet Prisons, Images in Time, local historian Robert E. Sterling chronicles the dramatic changes at the facility during the decades it was in operation. 
Until 1896, black and white striped pants, shirts, and hats were standard issue, and prisoners were forced to walk in lockstep. There was no separate facility for young offenders. In 1864, for example, the ages of inmates living in the prison ranged from 10 years to 68 years old. Um, Until 1903, when the dining hall was built, the men ate in their cells. Before showers were installed in the 1920s, prisoners bathed once a week in the summer and once every two weeks in the winter in the prison's 15 iron tubs. To save time, some were forced to share a soak. Wow. <laughs> that sounds really intense, man. Right. You know how humid it is in Chicago in the summer? Oh, yeah. And just the, like even in the, you know, that's that's rough. <laughs> <laughs> that's rough for everybody. Not if you're into that kind of thing. I mean, well, yeah, maybe for you, it'd be all right. <laughs> You'd be like, I share it, tub. It's cool. Come on. <laughs> By 1915, prisoners were allowed one hour of daily outdoor recreation. Strict quiet time during meals, work, and marching was lifted and inmates could talk to one another. The prison launched a day school and its own newspaper and trusted inmates were allowed outside the walls to work on a farm, growing food for the prison, according to Sterling's book. But many of those allowances were eliminated after prisoners rioted in 1917 and set fire to seven buildings. Reports of unsanitary and dangerous conditions emerged, and by 1905, calls for the closure of the old prison were made. The 1926 construction of Stateville Penitentiary in what is now Crest Hill was intended to close the prison, but it continued to house offenders until 2002, when it was finally closed by Governor George Ryan as a budgetary measure. The prison is probably best known today for its most popular, albeit fictional inmate, Joliet Jake, Blues, from the 1980 film The Blues Brothers. Since then, the prison has made a number of appearances in films and television, including as the character of Fox River State Penitentiary in the critically acclaimed Fox series Prison Break, and in smaller scenes in Derailed, Let's Go to Prison, and recently Empire. Sadly, despite this interest from Hollywood, the prison remained closed and, in addition to damage from the elements, was subject to rampant vandalism, including several acts of arson. Attempts were made to find suitable options for reuse, including tourism, by the Collins Street Task Force of Concerned Public and Private Leaders. What a mouthful. But these efforts were stalled by the Great Recession of 2008. Continued vandalism and destruction of the site led Joliet Mayor Bob Odekirk to personally petition the state government to allow the city of Joliet to take control of the property in December of 2017. Since then, the city looked to the Joliet Area Historical Museum to take leadership role in operating tours at the site. In partnership with the city, the museum identified several community partners to form a public-private partnership entity the Old Joliet Prison Preservation Coalition. Oh, man. Getting a workout. (laughs) You're doing a great job. Yeah, you got it. (laughs) To date, the project has been met with an enthusiastic response from the community of Joliet, culminating in over 6,500 volunteer hours, $1 million of in-kind labor and donations, and nearly $200,000 in funds raised to benefit the site. True to its historic legacy, the old Joliet prison now takes its rightful place as an authentic, unique asset which is inextricably linked to the history of the city of Joliet 
and it continues to draw interest from visitors all around the world. That's it. That's that's what I got on the history. Nice, very good. Thank you. It is a really old prison. I know it is one of the oldest in that area for sure, if not the oldest. Oh yeah. It's been around for a long time. Now I grew up in Juliet. Did you know that? No, really? Yeah. So I went to um Catholic school, of course. I went to Holy Family and St. Raymond, which are all fairly close. I grew up driving by this prison. And Statesville, which if you've seen Statesville, mm. I'm sure the movies are the big um, high walls, and you would see that they have the big guard towers on the on the corners with the guards in there and the machine guns. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's pretty intense. So uh, that's a neighboring Crest Hill. Um, but yeah, this is definitely a, uh, something that if you grow up around Juliet um, or in that area, you're used to seeing this this area, this, this prison. Mm-hmm. Um, I do know now it has been revamped and they do tours and ghost tours and all that kind of stuff, which is pretty cool. Um, so it's nice that they're, that they're doing something with it, but yeah, super cool. So this is like, my sister was born in Juliet. Like I went to school there. The house that my mom, when I was growing up, that really thought was haunted is in Juliet. Oh. And it's a historical landmark there. And it's right by St. Francis college, which is also supposed to be haunted. There's like, a bunch of like just old stuff right there that ever you know that they I when I was researching this I was finding out oh they think you know there's like this place is active and this place is active like all around where I used to live um uh, where my mom was like saying all this stuff was happening in the house so I'm like oh it kind of gives it a lot more credence doesn't it you know <laughs> um Archie you know what we forgot to talk about um no but I have a feeling you're about to remind me <laughs> I am um the contest has started Oh, oh shit, yeah. Oh, it actually starts tomorrow, which will be when the last episode comes out, but this one will be out, what, May 8th? So, but all of the month and of May. A week into it, and we're already la- slacking. I know, we're already <laughs> terrible. It seems pretty perfect, of course. Um, so, all the month of May, rate, review, and subscribe on any platform. Um, and our listeners can be entered to win a $100 Visa gift card. But they just have to email us a screenshot of their submitted review. It does help if it's positive. I mean, it doesn't, but it would be nice. Okay. <laughs> it would make me feel good and warm and fuzzy in my heart, and so I would like Right. That. But yes, if you rate, review, and subscribe, then and send us a screenshot, we'll enter you into the drum which will get pulled um, at the end of May. All right. Sounds pretty good. Can Sounds I do good. it? Am I, like, exempt? <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, there might be a bias, but... Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try it on every every platform, sure why not. Right. Listen, I'm broke. <laughs> I've got kids. <laughs> it's rough up in here. Oh, all right. So you ready to hear about yeah. some? Goals? I don't. I don't. I don't have kids, but I, I have two adults I'm taking care of. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so rough. I got a cat now. I don't know what's happening. I got oh, stuff I got to buy. Um, you don't want to fight <laughs> young cats. <laughs> no, no, no. You're totally gonna win. Totally. The funny thing was, is somebody was asking me, like, "Are you gonna keep it?" And I was like, "I don't know. Archie loves cats. Maybe I can get to Archie." <laughs> oh God, no! I'm letting mine die out. I'm not taking any more of those. Arch, I'm gonna send you some super cute pictures later. Oh no! Like, oh, you need her. She's so cute. 
All right, ready for some ghosts? Yeah, let's hear it. All right, so <clears throat> my sources are chicagohauntings.com, um, an episode of Ghost Adventurers. Um, I think it's season one, episode two. Um, and a book, actually, The Haunted Juliet Prison by Wendy Moxley Rowe. Oh. So um, I don't know if you came across this in your research, but um, there are a few cemeteries associated with the prisons. Give me a second. <laughs> oh, sorry, no, Carrie just Carrie just messaged messaged us. Oh, did she? What did she? Are say? we still in the waiting room? And it didn't. <laughs> I forgot to turn off my ringer. Oh, Carrie, uh, stop bothering us. We're doing important work. <laughs> I basically just told her to shut up. We're recording. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> you didn't want it. You were too busy for us. Too busy. Bothering us. But you can text. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you got time to lean. You got time to podcast. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. The cemeteries. So um, there are actually more than one that is associated with the prison. Like you said, the prison is, you know, from the 1800s. It predates Lincoln. So um, needless to say, and the conditions were as usual shit. So, unfortunately, a lot of the inmates died. Um, But there's a really big story that happened back in the summer of 1932 um, that has to do with the cemetery. So, um, in the summer, thousands of residents from Joliet and surrounding areas as far as Chicago flocked to the old Joliet Prison Convict Cemetery in search of a singing ghost that was said to have been wandering among the graves, crooning hymns in a dreamy, ethereal voice. Um, as was typical at the time, many of these early ghost hunters came armed with shotguns, knives, and other weapons. Sounds kind of like they had pitchforks. <laughs> All kinds of stuff, right? <laughs> Sounds a little, uh, I don't know. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> I'm a little concerned. Um, so the search became a sensation, drawing as many as 5,000 people a night to the area. Um, and so oh. the ghost, right? And so the ghost was revealed to be, or so they claimed, a very much alive inmate at the prison, William Chrysler, who reportedly enjoyed singing on the way to and from his du- duties, working the pumps at the nearby prison quarry. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so, um, this all started back, <laughs> back um, in July of 1932, when the sound of singing began wafting through the neighborhood late in the evening, long after the radio broadcast at the time would have ended. So besides the late hour, the song didn't sound like a pop tune at the time, but like something you might hear in church, like in Latin, you know, kind of like a hymn. Mm-hmm. So the first to report the singing were members of the Dudek family. The Dudeks lived on Juniper Street um, with their backyard abutting the prison field where the old convex cemetery sits. So the father and son of the house were out that first night when the singing began, and then it started again the following night. The two went, you know, they grabbed the flashlight, and they went out looking to see where it was coming from, and they couldn't find anything. So it happens again the next night, and it's usually in the night after that, right? It just keeps happening. So usually between 11.30 and midnight, and the voice began to draw crowds as more and more people found out about it. So like at first it was just the neighbors, you know, coming out of curiosity. Um, hearing the singing, 
and just trying to figure out what was going on. Um, you know, like why? Yeah, it's just a really weird thing to have happen. It's coming from the cemetery, so you know, like what is going on? So soon, however, the, the story spread throughout the city, and people from all over Juliet and later, you know, Lockport, Crest Hill, and others the neighboring towns. Um, so it wasn't long before cars full of ghost hunters were rolling into the town from all over the state, and then the nation. As a demographic change, the atmosphere changed too. So at first it was like nightly gatherings were like fun and the families would come with like picnic baskets and they would share ghost stories and, you know, it was like a family event. But then as more and more people came, there was just like huge crowds um, of people from outside of Juliet. Um, they would tramp through people's backyards. They broke like headstones. Um, and just it was like a general feeling of disrespect and disregard for the community and the pres and the prisoners that were um, laid to rest in the cemetery. So one of the most outrageous developments was that a group of local swindlers had started an illegal car parking scheme catering to the visiting ghost hunters. For 15 cents, you could park your car in the prison field while you investigated the ghosts. But if you didn't hand over another 15 cents on the way out, the, the ballets would break your windshield. Oh, nice. <laughs> right? <laughs> Classy. Right? You gotta love the 1940s. It was gangster. That's Chicago. I mean, it's, yeah, it's gangster. <laughs> um, so the problem is, you know, it started to really upset um, not just the prison officials, but also like local law enforcement trying to keep this all under control. So it was just getting crazy. So there's a guy that wrote a book on it and his name is Dylan Clearfield and his family actually lived, um, he was a child at the time, but his family was one of the families that lived adjacent to the cemetery. Mm. Um, so later he went on to write a book about it and he doesn't believe that um, it was the prisoner. He thinks that they said that it was the William Clearfield guy, like on his way back and forth because they just wanted to give it a reasonable explanation to disperse just, the crowds, right? Mm, to give mm, it, a, yeah, to let right. it go. So, and just make it, you know, restore the peace and the quiet. <clears throat> so the guy, um, William Chrysler, um, and he had been, you know, in prison and he was sent out to Juliet on a conviction of grand larceny. So he was a trustee, which means that he was allowed to go, you know, he had a lot more freedom. He was allowed to go back and forth mm -hmm. without. He, he was on the work release program. Exactly. So he was allowed to do stuff. Um, <clears throat> but even when he went back and forth, so to his, to the um, the quarry, um, he was allowed, or he was still accompanied by a guard. So, and he wasn't allowed just to go between the prison and the quarry at will. Um, yeah, during this time, they were saying that he was out there you know, singing and the guard would have been okay with that. Cause at the time, I don't even think they were really allowed to talk, let alone sing. Right. And have all of this freedom. So, um, so why didn't his guard, you know, realize that it was him doing the singing and say that, and that, you know, and then he was, he got released as soon as the singing, as soon as it got blamed on him, he got early release and oh. they let him out. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, you know that he wouldn't have been, like, other, I mean, he obviously either got preferential treatment or, you know, he was coming up for parole. Why, I mean, he wouldn't have done anything to keep himself in Juliet. So, there's just so much stuff about that that's kind of interesting. Like, is there still really a singing ghost? 
Um, was there one there? Um, there's still um, things that go on in the cemetery. Um, you know, people hear things and see, you know, mists and, you know, hear weird sounds and stuff. And mm. the biggest thing that I've heard is to this day, people will just be, you know, driving along and all of a sudden they find themselves in the cemetery, like autopilot. And it's no, like not even anything, any place that they were intending to go. They just oh, find wow. themselves driving to the cemetery. It's a really That's common complaint. Isn't that weird? I mean, I, I autopilot all the time and I always end up where I'm intending to go somehow. Yeah, usually I end up at work, which is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine just switching to autopilot and it's like, why am I at the cemetery? I didn't, I wasn't going to the cemetery. Right. I do that all the time. I think everybody kind of does that. You just go about your routine and find yourself, you know, at work or what have you, you're kind of lost mm-hmm. in your thoughts, but how weird to find yourself all of a sudden in a cemetery and that was not anywhere that you were like planning to go. Yeah. Wow. Super weird. That's, that's really going to fuck you up. Yeah. But that's the, that's the story of the singing ghost that became, I mean, it was in the papers, everything. Like people were just flocking pretty crazy. Wow. Back in the thirties. Oh, that was fine. Yeah. It's pretty fun. So, um, as you talked about, you know, this, this cemetery is really old. I mean, it, has gone through so much stuff. They did do executions there. Um, suicides were rampant. Um, disease, murder. Um, they had quite the ter- uh, consumption, as they called it at the time, like tuberculosis um, issue, I guess we would call it, um, back in the day. So there's a lot, a lot of terrible things that happened on the site. Um, and a lot of really bad people that were kept here. Um, so there's a lot of different buildings. So there's a cell block in the yards where obviously the prisoners are kept and where they got their one hour of freedom. Yay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty sad. Um, but with the cell block in the yards, there's um, quite a bit of stuff happening over there. There's um, so a former prisoner basically talked about the stuff that he experienced in the cell block. Um, and he would have been there early 2000s. So, you know, towards the end of the time that it was open. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Um, but he said it was a common occurrence to feel cold spots in the prison cells, even when it was the stifling humidity in the summer. Oof. Yeah. And kind like, of kind of some relief. <laughs> right, yeah. Kind of, you're like, hey, come over here. I need a breeze. Right? <laughs> there might be dead people, but I don't care. <laughs> right? It's so hot. Um, so humid. But that when he would be um, about to fall asleep, that there'd be a strong vibrations that would sweep loudly through the rows of the east cell block's iron bars. And it was, it sounded as if someone very large and powerful was banging on them, but oh. there was nobody around. You know, like everybody's in their bunks or what have you. And of course, it would have been a ruckus with the guards, but there was no one doing that. Um, and he believes it was the victims and the passing mates of the Juliet prison that were making their presence known. I'm kind of saying like we're still here. Oh wow! So in 2018, um, a paranormal investigator named Jason Sherman and um, was allowed into the prison. He was the first person to privately investigate the prison. So he experienced rocks being thrown at him in the prison yard repeatedly um, while he was investigating and giving tours. Whoa! Yeah, he also heard the sounds of cell doors closing multiple times, and. Mm-hmm. With each time, he would search the area for the culprit of the incidents, but none could ever be found. Um, on one particular night, after being at the prison for a long period of time, 
He said he arrived home and took off a crystal bracelet that he had worn as protection during his investigations. And in the middle of the night, he heard a loud splintering noise. He turned on the light and the bracelet was on the bedroom floor, shattered into tiny pieces. He thinks it was like it absorbed like so much energy from being in the prison that it just like burst. Wow. The crystals apart. Pretty crazy. That's nuts. I'm more about like upset about the rocks. Like, please don't the rocks. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not really into the rocks. Um, there's also a hospital uh, on the premise who has seen a lot of people come through it. I mean, obviously the regular inmates and then people as famous as like John Wayne Gacy, mm. who was held in Joliet uh, for a short time before he was transferred to New Statesville. Um, so John Wayne Gacy, just to give a little background, because anybody doesn't know. <laughs> um, in December of 78, uh, police found 31 bodies of young men in different stages of decomposition buried in the cross space of Gacy's home in Norwich, Illinois. Oh, that must have smelled absolutely lovely. I'm, I'm so sure it did. Oh. <laughs> yeah, after his arrest, uh, he spent about 21 hours inside Old Juliet before, oh, he was moved to the Pontiac uh, Correction Facility, which is located about an hour south of Juliet. Um, Gacy was said to have been treated in the Old Juliet Prison Hospital shortly before his execution in May of 1994. And as I said earlier, I did, um, the Ghost Adventures did do it a show on this prison. Um, and they did, when they did this special um, back in 2018, they had a prison photographer, an old prison photographer named Rob Johnson. Um, and he told the story of walking the hospital alone one day when he suddenly encountered a very large shadow man in a doorway. Johnson felt the anomaly as much as he saw it. He described the figure as menacing and said it made him feel as if he was not welcome there. Hmm. So as a Ghost Adventures investigated more, um, one member was left alone inside of the hospital rooms lying on an old x-ray table. You know how they do that? They like leave him in there. Oh, God, yeah. Uh-huh. He ran from the room in terror after he saw and felt heavy pressure from a black form near his head. Out of breath, he told the rest of the crew that he felt something like what Rob Johnson had, des- um, had described before. The crew then theorized that Gacy was such a powerful form of evil that his symbol presence was enough to leave a mark inside the prison's walls. Hmm. So it kind of fits in. The hospital seems to be a real hotbed um, with masses forming. There are some pictures that you can see even in the Ghost Adventures where there's like multiple pictures and then you'll see like a mass somewhere mm-hmm. in the photos. So um, the hospital does seem super creepy. I don't know if it's John Wayne Gacy, but maybe he just wants to wrestle. Oh, no. <laughs> quote, quote, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but other um, reported phenomena in the hospital does include ex- unexplained noises and accounts of full body apparitions. Um, people have reported being scratched, groped, and pushed. Um, and people do say the black masses are, you know, and they always feel like people are watching them. Um, very intense feelings in the hospital. Mm, wow. Interesting, right? So um, another famous, kind of famous, um, prisoner that was there. Um, have you ever heard of Chicago Sausage King? 
Like, um, <laughs> no joke. I mean, this is not <laughs> not, uh, not on Grinder or whatever. <laughs> Just being for real. <laughs> oh, God. We aren't talking about Taylor's <laughs> day off, are we? But I think that they bring him up in there. Actually, I think he says that he is Chicago's sausage king. I was going to, I meant to look that up and see, because I'm pretty sure it does come in first for Taylor's day off. But anyway, there's a guy back in the 1800s known as Adolf Bukart. Um, and he was known as the um, Chicago Sausage King. Is it um, Abe Froman? <laughs> <laughs> but he was later um, known worldwide as the man who ground his wife into sausage. Um, he was sentenced to life in Old Juliet for the murder. Um, and the sensation it caused around the world was legendary. Oh, my God. Um, Right? The trial. Can't wait, can't wait till we're on YouTube because that was almost a fucking spit take. <laughs> <Right? laughs> it's pretty intense, right? Um, but the, this trial was one of the first ones where they um, began to um, use new science and new methods. Um, and it was one of the first times that they convicted someone of murder without there being a dead body um, to prove the death of the victim. Because clearly, you know where she wow. is. Wow. Right. So um, he was obviously found guilty. Um, Adolf was found dead in his cell in Old Juliet after serving only a year and a half. Um, he staunchly claimed his innocence, but to no avail. I mean, very few people believed him. It looked pretty, he looked pretty guilty. <laughs> um, but as he was serving his time there, he was like losing it a little bit. And he would just babble to himself. But a lot of his babbles had to do with his repeated claims that his wife, Louisa, um, visited him in his prison cell every night. And all night long, she would sit with him, scolding him relentlessly about his having lost everything and letting him know she would be there to haunt him for the rest of his days for taking her life. Oh, that's amazing. Crazy, right? That's like that's like closure, like everybody I know wants. <laughs> right? Yeah. Can I just torment that one fucker? <laughs> Can I just go sit with the person who keeps calling me about my car warranty? Right. A little bit. Just for a little like, bit. Like, can I have I told you so for I don't know, the rest of his life. <laughs> right. I just, I just need your ear for a second. <laughs> um, okay, so back in the 1910s. Um, back when you're talking about prison reform, uh, there was actually a warden and his wife um, that were big reformists uh, that lived on the grounds there. Um, they were really well liked by the prisoners. Um, the warden actually called um, the inmates my boys. And um, yeah, so they were, at that time, uh, the warden and was required to live on site um, by law. Mm-hmm. So Right. So um, back in um, an early Sunday morning, um, June 20th of 1915, um, the warden's wife, uh, Miss Allen's um, service button was ringing loudly and continuously as if someone was frantically pushing it. So curious as to why the call had not been answered by her personal servant, Joe, another house servant went to go find um, Joe. It was then that they smelled the smoke. The fire alarm was pulled, and within minutes, the prison's firefighters arrived at the scene. 
Um, it took them a few minutes to determine the smoke was coming from inside the warden's quarters. So once they forced their way um, through the main door, they could clearly see that it was coming from inside Mrs. Allen's bedroom on the second floor. Oh no. The door had been locked from the inside and had to be forced down as well. When they finally made it through, the bed was engulfed in flames and the room filled with smoke. The visibility was close to none, causing much confusion. Everyone was asking where Mrs. Allen was. One of the men reported that she was safe. He said he had seen her going up the stairs to the third floor. It was not until they were able to extinguish the fire and clear some of the smoke that they noticed her body. Odette Allen lay on the floor, a halo of blood around her head, burnt beyond recognition. So the theory is that she was murdered by her personal servant, Joe, uh, with a blunt object and then set on fire. Um, This caused great distress among the prisoners, not just because they loved the warden and all that he was trying to do for them, but they called her their angel. I mean, that just tells you how beloved that this couple was um, by the inmates. So as every, as it spread through the prison, um, the prisoners actually started to kind of riot. Um, and Was looking this for the, this. The 1917 riot? Uh, no, this is before then. It wasn't oh. the big riot. They just sort of, you know, they were all upset. They wanted this guy, Joe. I think they called him Joe Chickenhead or something. <laughs> something very <laughs> 1910s. But they basically wanted his head. And they were calling just like, bring him to us. We're going to tear him apart. Right. You know, they were getting crazy. So he was um, eventually convicted of her murder, although it doesn't seem likely that it was him. Um, but, you know, I think they kind of railroaded him, unfortunately. Right. Yeah. As was kind of the custom back then. Um, but since her passing over the years, People have reported seeing shadows and dark figures in the windows of the admin building, which was where um, she died, um, like when they passed by. So lights in the windows of the administration building were reported several times during the 16 years the prison sat empty. So there was nothing going on. Wow. Um, In October of 2018, a photograph was taken in front of the prison before the very first nighttime tour. And the photograph shows a white, misty form that looks like a woman in a long white dress between the camera and the prison. Some believe that the captured figure, the shadows, and the strange lights in the window could be beautiful that Alan roaming the prison grounds, um, patiently waiting for her husband to be reunited with her beloved husband, Ned. And she does get reported quite a lot in the admin building. There's some um, people that have a tendency to see her walking around the admin building. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So, but be, I mean, just through this whole prison, it seems like there's a lot of stuff going on. I mean, between the two cell blocks, um, they just report, I mean, lots of sounds, lots of clanking, unexplained, you know, mm-hmm. uh, right, right. cold spots, just seeing some mists. Um, the hospital seems to be just crazy. Um, <laughs> with the black mass, people think it's John Wayne Gacy or, you know, Richard Speck was held here too. Um huh? Yeah, at the, uh, most of the people, Babyface Nelson also spent some time here. Um, if you go back to the gangster days. But basically, most of the people who went to Statesville, which is the big mass and security outside of mm-hmm. Chicago, or became after this, um, 
get, they still got processed through here. So a lot of them either stayed during their trials or they got processed through here. But a lot of the worst criminals spent some time in Juliet, wow. especially in the hospital. So it seems like that places super creepy. And there's some really good photographs like online that you can see too. I'm going to try to get some of those for our online media. Oh yeah, please send them yeah, to I sure will. But now they do, um, as you were talking about all the volunteer work, so so many people, and I think this is so great with historic sites when we get to keep them. So many people around the Julia area have gone and like what you said, like volunteered so many hours, money, time, all of this to redo the prison. And so now they do all kinds of tours there. They do the like historic tours. They do nighttime tours. I know they do like a haunted, a big haunted house there, which would be pretty rad. Um, yeah they do all that kind of stuff plus i mean you have the blues brother stuff right like i mean he doesn't want to see jake sell come on that's pretty rad yeah that's uh what i would say is what carrie does with her note before you go it's um was it old juliet doesn't that work but definitely look up the tickets because with covid everything has been so shifty as far as like what's yeah. happening and what isn't happening it's yeah. to be hours and stuff i know before they kind of did stuff every day multiple times a day but obviously right now i don't yeah i've, I've, I've noticed i've noticed a lot with doing the research that you know a year god have we been doing this for two years a year, a year and a half yeah no wait but, Bef- well, last- before, before COVID hit, everything had, this is where you go, this is mm. how you get in, this is what you get to do, and now everything is like closed, 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 reduced hours, reduced occupancy. Right. It's, it's yeah. nuts. Like, you know, three people per tour, or what have you, you know, so mm-hmm. again, definitely go to juliaprison.org if you would like to go um, on a tour or take a ghost tour. I know they do them daytime and nighttime. At least they did pre-COVID. So hopefully all that is to open our opening back up. So that's what I have for the ghosts of the old Juliet prison. Oh, that was great. Oh, thanks. And I love the fact that you friggin' live there. <laughs> it's, yeah, when Carrie said, she's like, oh, this is going to be the one that you're going to do. I'm like, did you know that I lived in Juliet? She's like, no. I'm like, do you know how perfect this is? It's so funny because yes, I grew, I mean, I literally grew up down the, down the street. And, um, like I said, my sister was born in Juliet. Like, um, that's amazing. Or, yeah. So it's super cool. And that haunted house that I talked about, you know, when I first came on the show too, with my mom is like right in Juliet. It's right down the street on Whitney Avenue. For those of you from Juliet, you know, right, oh. right down the street from St. Francis College. <laughs> <laughs> There's some, just some really cool old homes back there. Well, you know, anytime you go back to, like, Detroit has some great architecture. So oh, yeah. Anywhere around Chicago, yeah. So the Midwest is awesome. Just not oh, that's Georgia. great. Yeah. Oh, Thank this you. was fun. It was a lot of fun. So much fun. Oh, Carrie missed out. Should be no. so sad. <laughs> wah, wah. Sad yeah. trombone. Yeah, I don't think she's that sad. I think she's pretty happy about being in her new new house. Yeah, and we yeah. congratulate her on that. I know. Yeah. It she, has been a trial and tribulation, but she's yeah, there now. You, so did you see the pictures she sent of her furniture? Yes. Yes. She's very excited. I, I'm just looking at it now. She's so funny. Oh yeah. god, I'm so jealous. That bed. 
No, it's nice, she's, eh? She's she's gonna, gonna, yeah, it's going to be great. She's so happy. She's got all her new stuff, her new house. She's going to have to buy the dogs their own beds or a stepladder to get into that one. Something. Wow. Or don't buy a stepladder. <laughs> Definitely don't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Make them work for it. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I say as I'm adopting a cat, I have no idea they're just adopting me. <laughs> No, I clearly have zero resistance. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, you don't live here. All right, I guess you can. (laughs) (laughs) Fine. (laughs) If you really want to. (laughs) (laughs) We're fucked up and you'll see that, but cheers. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Enjoy yourself. Um so that's that's our show for today. All right. Um and rate, review, and subscribe to you and send us an email so you get entered into our drawing um, for me. Yes, please do. And as always, we can be found everywhere you enjoy your favorite podcasts. We are also all over social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We are on the TikTok. <laughs> we are on the TikTok. <laughs> we are on the TikTok. I, I know we're leaving something off. Twitter. Oh, no, we get that one. <laughs> I don't know. We have all this, you know, all the Spotify's, Apple, whatever, all the podcasts. Uh, yeah. so, there we go. We, we drink, so we're this is why happy when Carrie isn't here. We're like, I don't, we don't really remember. <laughs> Mom. Mom. <laughs> Where are we again? What happened? Why did she leave us in charge? I don't know. Oh, that's okay. She can edit in post-production. <laughs> exactly. You know she won't. She's going to leave it all in so we look like the assholes we are. Yeah, She's going to be like, yeah, see what I have to fucking deal with this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. That, that sounds about right. <laughs> all right. Well, until next time, guys. All right. Yeah. Be safe because you never know who. Or what. Is listening. Take Bye, care. Everybody. Thank you so much. Bye.